Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White, and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Renee White. This is episode 69, and it is a check-in Tuesday episode where it's a shorter episode where I just kind of check in with you all and talk about something from personal experience or what's going on in the world of research. Maybe it's a paper I've seen. Maybe I'm sharing my most favourite recipe. And we all know that Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday, which can be a day of joy. And, you know, I think it's right that we kind of acknowledge also that it can be a day where it brings up a lot of emotions and triggers for a lot of people, whether it be, um, you know, motherless daughters or um, you are currently on a very difficult conception. My heart goes out to all of you, um, whether you are celebrating or whether you are choosing to have more of a quieter day. So whatever um, the case is, I hope you enjoy your Sunday coming up. And with that, if there's someone special in your life or you are going to give someone a little hint, hint about a gift that might put a pep in your step um, and enable you to have a bit more time and self-care to yourself, we have got gift vouchers over at our shop, ifillyourcup.com, and you can give a little poke poke to someone (laughs) if they're looking for a gift for you. Those gift vouchers can be used for any of our uh, doula services. So we provide postpartum doula offerings where we come to your home and we make delicious, nourishing meals for you. We Mary Poppins your life (laughs) for the three-hour session. We can do your washing and fold your washing. We can hang out with your toddler while you go and have a nice, beautiful rest. We can, oh, my goodness, sit and have a little birth debrief with you. A lot of mamas just love us being in the house so they can have someone to chat to. We can run a beautiful bath and pop some of our postpartum recovery sits in there and you can soak away your worries in the bath. So they are beautiful gifts to get for yourself. So we have our Fill Your Cup Days, which is a single session with one of our doulas, and they are available for mamas in Tasmania, Melbourne, Geelong, Bellarine, and Sydney currently. But if you are not in any of those locations, 
you can still get yourself something beautiful from our shop with a voucher. They include our motherload pack, which we are going to have a special on. So if you are looking for a gift, our motherload pack includes, if you're a first-time listener, you will know this if you have been listening to this podcast for a while. Our motherload pack includes all three of our beautiful um, products. And these products were made because, oh, no mother has got time to cook. (laughs) And so um, these are really easy meal kits and self-care kits to kind of have in your pantry, have in your bathroom, ready to rock and roll. It's the first one. It was our Choc Goji Lactation Cooking Mix, which P.S. I still eat these and I have not been breastfeeding for like four years. So they are still an amazing snack to have. High in protein, all organic ingredients, no nasty bastards in there. And then the other one is our creamy coconut dal. So that's first in market to contain organic chicken bone broth in it. So it's super, super jam-packed full of collagen, which is really going to help with postpartum recovery, particularly um, tissue healing and stuff like that. All you need to do is tip the packet mix into a saucepan, add some coconut cream and some boiling water, and it is rock and roll ready in 20 minutes flat. And the third product, which I mentioned already, is our postpartum recovery sit. So that is um, the trio. And we have got a beautiful special running for Mother's Day. So our motherload pack typically retails at $75 um, plus postage and handling for all three of those products. But today we are going to be having our little listeners <laughs> have a little have a little Mother's Day special, particularly for those who are running out of time and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I gonna get? What am I gonna get? So our motherload pack is going to be running at $65. And all you need to do is pop in the code Mother's Day, M-O-T-H-E-R-S-D-A-Y, and you will get yourself a motherload pack. It's $10 off for the three. That's an absolute steal. So head on over to our website, ifillyourcup.com. We will be running that for just this week for our Mother's Day special, so $65 for the motherload pack. So, without further ado, we are going to jump in to today's episode. And on today's episode, I thought I would share with you a little bit about my breastfeeding journey. Now, it wasn't a super duper roller coaster ride. So, there's that caveat. But having said that, There's a few things that I've learned along the way, both personally and as a doula, and I thought I would share those experiences with you. Oof. First off the bat, rewind to, I would say, what was it, 2017, you know, booked myself in for the hospital's 
breastfeeding workshop because that is something that I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to kind of give it a go with breastfeeding. And so, you know, I'm always about knowledge is power, education, education, education. Now, I was booked in at a private hospital. So I think, you know, still, you know, Renee of 2017 was extremely naive. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you pay you pay all this money, top dollar, and you will get amazing service, amazing everything. And look, you know, it wasn't horrible, but I can tell you that after I walked out of that breastfeeding workshop, man, I did not walk out of there thinking, I've got this. Both my husband and I were a little bit shocked in the, I guess, the timeline of (laughs) the education. So the videos that they were showing us around breastfeeding, I feel like they were definitely filmed in like the 80s or 90s. So, you know, the actual quality of the information was really outdated. And then we just got like a bunch of handouts and they had, you know, that awful picture and the central message was, you know, wait for your baby's mouth to open up and then quickly shove them on your boob before the mouth shuts closed. And so that was the central message and that's kind of what I walked out with. I was very confused. Even my husband said, don't you think it would have been more useful if like if everyone got kind of, you know, got their boobs out and we all kind of, you know, there was an explanation of and like even just discussion around your own personal anatomy. So I've always been very open and honest with the fact that, you know, I have flatter nipples than I think, you know, the regular the regular woman. And so I kind of thought to myself, "Mm, I think I'm going to struggle with this a little bit. So I'm going to need a little bit more help. And at the time, as I said, we walked out and we were like, oh my God, that was... That was a bit of a nightmare and I don't really feel like I have been educated at all and I suspect it's going to be a complete nightmare. Now, at the time, my husband, who is very wise, <laughs> said to me, I think I think we should, like, speak to a lactation consultant now. And I was like, at the time, again, If you've listened to my birth story, episode three, you will know I'm type A personality. I was horrific back then. I was like, I've got this. I can do this by myself. I just need to lean into my motherly intuition and it will like come naturally. Well, folks, um, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, I should have listened to him. And it's really interesting because I was talking to a mum the other day, a pregnant mama, first time mum, and, you know, all the time when I'm chatting with mums who, you know, are onboarding as our Food Cup families, I always talk about the fact, you know, are you thinking about breastfeeding? Um, how does that feel for you? Have you, you know, engaged with a lactation consultant yet, you know, what are your thought processes around that? And more often than not, I get people saying, oh, no, I do want to breastfeed, but I think, you know, what?" and they kind of are a little bit perplexed over the question of why would I engage 
a lactation consultant before the baby has arrived. And from personal experience, because I had breastfed my child for about 18 months, I I would highly encourage anyone who is planning to breastfeed to engage with an IBCLC, so an internationally accredited lactation consultant, before their baby arrives. And the reason for that is that there is like this alarming statistic where 95% of women go into their motherhood journey wanting to breastfeed. However, only 34% are exclusively breastfeeding at 16 weeks. So that is a huge drop. And if you have listened to the podcast, particularly with someone like Dr. Pamela Douglas, who is the founder of Possums, she is in episode 13 and 32. And we talk about why this has happened. Why is there such a huge drop in women exclusively breastfeeding? And according to Pam, the number one reason is because they don't have enough training and professional assistance from healthcare workers. And there's a range of issues there. There's so, like, that is like Pandora's box and we could probably do an entire episode on that. But fundamentally what you've got to understand is that I kind of, when I talk to mums about this or, you know, mums-to-be, this is how I phrase it. If someone said to you that, you know, we are going to drop you into New York City and put you into the New York City Marathon, what would you say? And you'd probably say, well, I'm not prepared. And I would say, yeah, you're not. And so to me, breastfeeding is similar to a marathon. You want to be prepared. And say you were going to, say you got six months in advance to prepare for this marathon, what would you do? You would probably engage a coach you would be training, you would be, you know, working up to it, you would be working on your nutrition, your technique, you'd be talking to other people, you'd probably be, you know, joining a running group and and surrounding yourself with people who are experts in the field and who can help you. It's a big deal. Like a marathon, running a marathon is a big deal. And so It is so surprising to me that we are not tackling breastfeeding the same way because, you know, more often than not, you know, women are stepping into motherhood wanting to breastfeed for an extended period of time. The WHO recommends, you know, around two years. And so it bamboozles me that we aren't preparing our mamas better for it. So my number one tip is engage a lactation consultant before Bubby arrives because they can sit down with you, they can assess your breasts. If it appears that you have inverted nipples or, you know, flatter nipples like me, you can get a game plan about what that looks like. They can educate you around, you know, 
what the first four hours or the golden hours, as they call it, what's that going to entail? You know, how can you best bring Bubby to the breast and encourage your milk to come in? Because depending on whether you have a vaginal birth versus a cesarean, that timeline looks very, very different. And that is another thing that I absolutely did not appreciate. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So having a game plan and and working up to, you know, that day where Bubby arrives and how that all looks can be such a defining moment in your journey. And, you know, those first few days can, I don't want to say make or break because I feel like that is, that's a lot, but it can influence your long-term breastfeeding journey. And so why would you not want to prepare to the best of your ability? So please, if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you're kind of on the fence, engage a lactation consultant. Go to the IBCLC website or just go IBCLC near me or wherever you are and engage a lactation consultant and book a session in with them just to discuss, you know, what your anatomy looks like. How's this all going to work? What's our game plan? And then the beauty of it, because these, you know, typically they are women, but these women are so heavily booked that if you engage them now and you kind of get that pencil in of "Mm, my due date's around this time, they will probably put time aside and you'll probably go up the list in terms of, you know, if you need, and you probably will, you will need extra assistance when Bubby arrives. So I highly encourage you to engage a lactation consultant. It's like my number one tip to um, mamas to be. So on that education point, I really love the Gestalt feeding method. It is something that was developed by Dr. Pamela Douglas. She's written about it extensively in her book, The Discontented Little Baby Book, which is part of my top three books that I think all mothers and mothers-to-be should read. It's just really wonderful where it's like there's no strict timing on feeds and it's feeding on demand and it's about really tapping into that mother-baby diet. And the other thing that is essential to the Gestalt breastfeeding, I guess, philosophy is what they call the fit and hold. And so the fit and hold, you can stem back to pretty much every breastfeeding challenge that you would tackle. So everything from nipple damage, mastitis, oversupply, undersupply, cry fussing at the breast, it can all be brought back to the concept of fit and hold. And fit and hold is really something where if you think about two puzzle pieces, those puzzle pieces are the mama and the baby. And they have to come together in a particular way. And the Gestalt breastfeeding is all about, you know, baby face onto um, your breast, symmetrical, so their cheeks are like symmetrical at your breast thinking about, you know, where your breast falls naturally. That's where the baby needs to be. That's all about, you know, the baby's tummy to your tummy facing you 
and just beautiful little micro movements to work out how the two of you are going to fit together. So if anyone wants any further information, Dr. Pam's got, um, as I said, her book, The Discontented Little Baby Book, and also through the Possums program as well. My third tip is get someone in the hospital that you trust to help you. Now, we know that midwives are really, really busy and they're super under the pump. And so it can be really challenging to get someone to help you and you're on the buzz up (laughs) the whole time, which is what I was. I was just like, as soon as Eva started to kind of like, you know, have that movement of her head, I got on that buzzer straight away because I was like, okay, I'm going to need help. And some, you know, some people were better than others. So I would highly encourage you to, you know, get someone on board like a midwife to be able to help you. The other thing is, (laughs) is that I know some lactation consultants can come into the hospital and help you out. So again, if you engage someone early on, they might be able to do a little bit of a hospital call. So let's do that. My other tip that I wanted to talk about is nutrition. Lordy, lordy. What are the statistics? Breastfeeding, I think it's like an additional 330 to 400 kilocalories per day are required for, you know, a well-nourished breastfeeding mother. That's a lot, okay? (laughs) That that is that's a lot of calories and so you've got to think about the fact that and i see this a lot of people go oh my supply is uh, like you know is dropping um you know i can't keep up with it and they turn to you know maybe there's something going on with latch which is totally like it's one of the things that you need to check but another thing that people miss out on is they don't look at their nutrition And so when you start to dive a little bit deeper, you talk to them and you go, okay, so, you know, what does your day look like in terms of food? And they're like, oh, okay, well, I get up at like, you know, a million times overnight um, and I might not eat breakfast till 11 and that'll just be a cup of coffee. And then um, lunch will probably just be like some toast and maybe an egg or something. And then I'll have a big dinner. And that is serious alarm bells for me. Like as a doula, as a mum, as a biochemist who understands about pregnancy and postpartum nutrition, that is a huge alarm bell. So when you are breastfeeding, particularly exclusively breastfeeding, you are not only coming off the bat of like a huge marathon of pregnancy and birth, but you need to be replenishing with the breastfeeding as well. And so you really need to start thinking about really good fats, high fat, um, high protein diet. So, you know, we're thinking about um, eggs on toast with avocado. For lunch, we're thinking about salmon or chicken or like a slow cooked kind of beef or pulled pork or something with um, a carb component. So that could be some quinoa or some rice or, you know, a beautiful wrap and, you know, some slow cooked veggies with that and snacks. Snacks are going to be your number one go-to. And that is one of the reasons why we made our lactation cookie mix because you need to have those on hand. Trust me, they're huge. These, (laughs) These cookies are so big. You only really need one 
I mean, let's be honest, you're going to have two or three, but you really only need one. And they are so dense with nourishing goodness and they're super high in protein, beautiful fats in there from the chia seeds and the eggs as well as the coconut oil. So they are a perfect, perfect snack. Other good snacks are include like, you know, some dates with nut butter and chocolate. You know, you don't want to be having toast and Tim Tams, which is what I did. It is not going to get you anywhere, okay? You are just going to be a starving absolute mess. So nutrition is key to be keeping up a really healthy, plentiful milk supply because baby will just take it similar to pregnancy and you'll be left with whatever's left over. And I can assure you that that's probably going to play into a bit of a postnatal depletion kind of cycle, which is not good at all. The other thing I wanted to talk about is C-section versus vaginal birth. Now, I had an elective cesarean and it took a long time for my milk to come in. And the reason behind that, and this is really interesting because we don't, I don't think we talk about this enough because I was talking to a mum the other day and she was really worried. She had her baby. She was really worried about her milk coming in and that it was just really slow and whatever was there was like just not plentiful enough. And I said to her, you had a C-section, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, has anyone spoken to you about the fact that you will actually have a delayed milk response after a C-section? And she was bamboozled. She said, no, no one ever told me that. So for all those playing at home, that happens and there's a multitude of reasons for that. One of them is obviously the drugs that we get when we have a C-section. So they kind of impair, you know, that messaging going on in our body. And so, and obviously the other thing is we've got to wait for these two beautiful hormones that we require to be made in our bodies. One is prolactin and the other one is oxytocin. Prolactin, pro, means, you know, for, positive, Lactin, you know, lactating, so milk production, that's the hormone responsible for actually manufacturing or making the milk in our breast tissue. And then the second hormone is oxytocin. So we're probably all familiar with oxytocin. It's that beautiful love hormone. It's the one responsible for kind of generating our contractions. It's the hormone that our body makes when we sit down for a beautiful nourishing meal. You know, those like comfort meals where all like, you know, you sit down and you're like, oh, on the couch and you get your block of chocolate your cup of tea, and then you've got your favourite, like, funny movie, that's oxytocin. That's the thing that's pumping through you when you're letting out those laugh-out-loud moments. And oxytocin is needed for that milk ejection, so that letdown. And the reason why we have a delay in our, quote-unquote, milk coming in, so after the colostrum's kind of being there, is because hormones the proteins in our body, hormones, are really big macromolecules and they take a long time to be made. And it involves a ton of messaging. So, you know, if you haven't had a vaginal birth, it's kind of almost like your body's like, hold on a minute, where'd that kid go? <laughs> you know, you've got to kind of go like register it. Whereas with, when you have vaginal birth, there's a cascade of chemical 
and sensory kind of messages to your body that says, okay, there's a baby coming out, which means we're going to have to feed it and keep it alive. So we're probably going to have to, you know, start making milk somehow. So the cesarean kind of, we kind of go from like, you know, step one to step 10 and we miss a few steps in between. So it kind of takes a little bit longer for our body to like really tune in and go, ooh, there's a baby, it's outside our body now, so we need to start keeping it alive. And so my tips for women who have cesareans is you need to keep your baby real close, real close the entire time. Skin to skin, whether you have a vaginal birth or cesarean, is the number one thing that you can do to get your milk to come in faster. And the reason behind that is because your body is, and you, oh, we can't see these things, right? Just imagine if we could. Oh, my goodness. Um, as a science nerd, I would love this. But your body is sending messages to your baby's body. Your baby's body is sending messages to your body. There is just this whole cascade of hormonal, sensory kind of events going on and having them skin to skin in really close proximity, it is like fireworks are going off between the two of you. And having your baby there, your feeling them physically, you're smelling them, you're seeing them, you are giving your body all the sensory cues to say a baby is here, I need to keep it alive, I need to produce milk. And so having your baby super, super close is really, really important. So for, you know, I really wish I did this, but, you know, I had visitors in the room and, like, there was a lot going on. But if I was to redo this again after my cesarean section, I would have just stripped completely naked in, you know, my hospital um, room. I would have stripped Eva completely naked. I would have, you know, I don't need to crank the heating in the hospital room. I don't know about you guys, but it's hot in there already. But make sure that it's super warm. I would be hydrating. So I would be having like a beautiful, warm, hydrating tea. I would have, you know, my favorite food. It would probably be like probably chocolate, to be honest with you. Like (laughs) chocolate is my go-to, like oxytocin thing. I would be holding her. I would just be smelling her. I would just be like taking it all in and just surrounding myself with probably visual cues as well of just beautiful things that I love. And it would be very, very quiet. It would just be me, Eva, and probably my husband. And so that's probably one of the things that I look back on and think, oh, that probably would have saved a lot of heartache for me because it took a really long time for my milk to come in. The last thing that I wanted to share with you is timing of feeds. Oh man. I shared a video a few months ago. No, it would have been more than that because it was when I was, it was when we were packing up our Melbourne house and we were moving to Tasmania. And you know what you do? You go through all that crap in your house <laughs> and you do that big clean out. I found uh, an exercise book with columns ruled in it of 
all the feeds that I did for like the first, I don't know what it was, eight, 12 weeks, you know, date, time, left or right breast, how long she stayed on for and so on and so forth. And then I slipped into this crazy rabbit hole of like putting down her sleep times and all the rest of it because I was having a really hard time. I didn't have a clue what was going on. And I know that they get you to write down the times and everything with the feeds and the hospital. And there's probably really good reason for that to make sure that Bubby's getting enough and, you know, they're staying on the breast long enough and and what have you. But I would highly encourage for those who are like me with type A personalities or you kind of got a bit of OCD tendencies or anything like that, please stop timing your feeds. It can really have a detrimental effect on your mental health. I spiralled. I thought like I was like Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind at one stage and I tried to work out you know, why this day she was having like eight feeds and then she was not sleeping, you know, this time and this time and why that was different to that. Oh, like it got out of control, just completely out of control. And then one day I said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) This is getting really dangerous and I'm not coping. And I think that was, you know, one of the first days that I was like, no, I'm just going to really lean in and just take cues from her. And we're just going to roll with it on that. The other thing that I need to mention is, you know, feeding your baby to sleep is not a bad habit. I see this so often. People like, oh, you know, you're making a rod for your back type scenario. And should you be really doing that? Because, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need that all the time. And can I just tell you from a biochemical perspective, there is a reason why our babies fall asleep at the breast, particularly at night. And that is because there is a beautiful hormone that is produced in our breast milk at night and it sends our babies to sleep. So, in fact, (laughs) your baby is doing exactly what it needs to be doing and should be doing, going to sleep. And the other beautiful thing about it is that because that hormone is being produced in our body and then, you know, is ejected through our breast milk, it actually acts as a relaxant for ourselves as well. And more often than not, like I've found myself, you know, really kind of like relaxed and, you know, in taking in and, and listening to my own breath at, when I was doing feeds at night um, with Eva before she went to bed. And it was beautiful. So, If anyone tells you that you need to feed your baby till they're drowsy but not asleep and then that isn't going to have a flow-on effect because, you know, for some reason or another, that's the reason why your baby's waking up at night, I'm just going to call BS on that. Your baby's doing exactly what it needs to be doing, falling asleep at the breast. It's got nothing to do with trying to create this ridiculous phenomenon called sleeping through the night, whatever that is. Babies are supposed to wake up multiple times overnight. Yes, there are times when it is excessive and, yes, there are times where, you you know, you can think about moderating things. But if anyone tells you that, you know, you need to put your baby to bed drowsy but not awake, I would find some other advice. That's just my personal opinion. 
Okay, so finishing off with a probably highly controversial <laughs> topic there, but that is, I guess, my top tips for a successful breastfeeding journey. Engage a lactation consultant before your baby arrives. Get educated. Think about it, ladies. Are you running a New York marathon? What happens if someone told you you were going to do that? Would you prepare? I know I would. Education, education, education is your best friend. If something like, you know, feeding on demand and, you know, being really aware around evidence-based feeding is your jam, then I would totally look up Dr. Pamela Douglas and have a read of her book, The Discontented Little Baby Book. It is phenomenal. In hospital, find someone that you can trust. Find a good midwife you really click with because, you know, confidence is everything when it comes to your breastfeeding journey. So having someone there who can be your cheerleader is essential. Nutrition. Nutrition is key. I don't want to hear about Toast and Tim Tams, ladies. Fill your freezer with beautiful, nourishing food and snacks. And if you are at a loss and you're like, Renee, I don't even know where to start. Head over to our website. We have got a download, a little freebie download where you can have a look at all our recommended recipes to get you started to fill your freezer, fill your pantry, fill your fridge. And that's got beautiful meals and snacks. And hand all those recipes over to someone else. Start a meal train. I don't want to hear about mums um, doing all the heavy lifting. A reminder. Your milk will take a longer time to come in if you have a C-section. So be mindful of that. And skin to skin is your best friend and hydration. And timing of feeds. Oh, delete those apps on your phones unless there is a medical reason for it. Don't time your feeds. Your baby is very similar to you. <laughs> Surprise, they're a human. Sometimes you're going to be more thirsty or more hungry depending on what day of the week it is and what time of the day it is so just let the apps go and listen to your body and listen to your baby all right then with that thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week bye if you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.